Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. that's been in Sukuna but never came to the evening service because they brought their kids or uh, parents. So the whole idea of opening up a door for the gospel in the morning is already reaching homes. And just give yourself a clap if you're sitting here because you are part of a church plant. And that's just incredible. But what that means for us is that we really need to be switched on in our faith because we now need to grow as well. We can't just watch the morning service grow. We need to get out there, get out there in the place, in the classrooms if we're in school, in the places where we work, and tell of the good news of Jesus so that this congregation can get momentum again and plant another church. Amen? Yes, we are doing great. Jesus in Secunda, part three. So, um, Brown and myself, we did uh, a great collaboration this week. We worked out a sermon together, which he preached this morning in Afrikaans, and I'm doing it this evening in English. And next week, we're changing around. And, ah, Brown, it's just so incredible working with you and, uh, you know, brainstorming together, seeing what the Spirit shows you and what it shows me. And, you know, pastors sometimes like to do everything alone. Do you know that? Who's noticed that? <laughs> But it's so incredible when we bring our gifts together because that's what we're actually asking the congregation to do. And so also in the office, we are trying to combine our strengths, submitting to one another and seeing what God does. And it's just been a great journey. Jesus in Secunda, part three. That's just a picture of my family. Um, if you see us around, we've got two cupcakes. One is vanilla, one is chocolate, and they're both great. And we're saying this year that we want to love God, love people, and reach the world. If we can get that next slide, please. Just say that with me. Love God, love people, reach the world. And then tell the person next to you, I'll try my best. You are testing my faith. <laughs> You're pushing me to my limits. And then last week, I'm um, just quickly recapping, we were actually working on the same portion of scripture and we didn't want to rush and just do an overview of this incredible story where Jesus meets a woman at the well, a sinful woman. And we just, we didn't want to just go over it too fast and leave it. So we're actually doing two Sundays on it um, and, and both sermons actually stand separately. So don't worry if you hear that you missed like season one and now it's season two and you're not sure what's going on. Um, but get the sermon from last week on the internet and then you can have a different perspective on this scripture as well. Before we go, we said last week, as Jesus went to this woman, which is a Samaritan, it was a massive racial issue for Jews to mix with Samaritans. The first thing he shows us is that he conquers the barriers of race and class. And what we are saying is, as a church, there's no place for racism in our church. And if you sense it in your heart, ask the Holy Spirit to deliver you from it. Because you'll never fully experience the love of God unless you allow His heart to become yours. 
He's broken the barriers between all races. There's only one race, and they're all in Christ. Amen? And then he broke through the barriers of her arguments by his testimony. That's what we said. When you start to share your testimony, and people see how you changed, then it takes the wind out of arguments. People will say something like, can God create the rock that's too big for God to lift? You know, I mean... Uh, what question is that? But it's the stuff people ask. Um, but then no one can argue what happened in Brown's life or what happened in my life. So he's saying testimony. But the people from Creation Ministries International will ask them the question about the rock. Okay, they can answer it. And then your living relationship with Jesus conquers the barrier of dead religion. What it means is there's something about you that's contagious in the place where you work. It flows over. And people are like, how can you be so positive with, with what's happening in this company? And it's because something is welling up in you. Okay, that's the recap. Now, before we go for this week, quickly, what do you prefer? Steak in vors or chops in vors? Just turn to the person next to you for a moment and then we'll have a vote. Chops in vors or steak in vors? We can add a little mushroom sauce with a steak, all right? Okay, I think this is going to be a belter. It's going to be a tight one. Let's see where we land. Who says steak and vors? What is that, like the steak corner or what? <laughs> Who says chops and vors? I mean, I'll give that a 50-50. You guys agree with me? Yes. Awesome. We like. Who says chops, steak and vors? Okay, that's it. Okay, we'll do it that way. <laughs> All right, let, let's read together. There was no meaning in that. But it's fun for me to see the look on your faces when I ask these extremely stupid questions each week. I'm really enjoying it. Let, let's read together. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Quickly, I'm not going to make it long, the Jews walked around Samaria because they did not want to mingle with those people. That's how harsh the racism was because the Samaritans way back before Jesus came was a group of Jews who intermarried with people from Babylon. And so the faith got mixed up. And so they were called half-breads, okay? Right. So it's interesting. Let me be honest about that. Let me be frank. So when way back... In the 90s, in the old South Africa, when a black man would, would marry a, a white woman, the people always say, shame, the arama kinners. That's what they would say. Who can remember that? So the guy that planted Shofar, black man, white woman, two kids, both models, the most beautiful kids you can imagine. They on magazine co uh, covers, the one is a South African a uh, 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 gymnast and the other one's an African swimmer. The most exceptional just shows you how the enemy has darkened our minds. It's such junk. Every child is beautiful in God's eyes. Amen. And so Jesus comes and he breaks that barrier. He says, nonsense with us. Okay, and that's what we should think when people make stupid comments like that. You don't say that, don't tell them they're stupid. Just think it. Okay. And then praise the Lord. Sorry that I just thought they're stupid, but I want you to help them. Okay. 
For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. He sends them away. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? You see that? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus said, Listen, you think there's a barrier? I want to give you stuff. I want to give you stuff. I don't only want to give you stuff. I want to give you me. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? There's the argument. Give that gave, he gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his son and his livestock. Jesus said to everyone who drinks of this water, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's starting to open up to him. Jesus said, and he puts his finger where the pain is. He says, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. She's trying to create differences between her and Jesus. She's trying to wedge uh, uh, arguments into this beautiful moment. And Jesus said, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming. Just hold on. It's a long piece, but it's one story, okay? But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus is saying it doesn't matter where you worship. There's many churches in this town that's doing incredible work. The point is not where. In a way it is, if God leads you to become a part of his family, then you should be. But we're not better. It doesn't matter where you worship, but that you worship from your heart. Okay? So if you are here, so let me just, uh, it's, it's not a great church building tactic, but just, you know, be counterintuitive. If you sit here and you feel, hey, I cannot grow in this place. It's like I don't connect with God. You need to come to me that I can send you to another church. It's as simple as that. Because he wants you not to sit here if it does not help you to connect in spirit and in truth. Amen? The opposite is also true. If you connect in spirit and truth, then nothing should push you out. You should hold on to what caused you to grow. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He doesn't reveal himself to many people in this way, but he breaks the boundaries of race and class, through arguments, he says, I am the Messiah. Often when he did miracles, he said, please don't tell anyone because the people would cause an uprise to fetch him to be king. 
But to her, he said, I'm he. That's his love for this woman. It's incredible. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar. What did she came there to do? Draw water. Okay, just take a hint here. She left her water jar and then went away into town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be the Christ? We're almost done. They went out of a town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. There where you work, lift it up a bit, where you study. I tell you that the fields are white for harvest, okay? Many Samaritans from that town believed him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. Now they're inviting this Jew into, into their town. It's incredible how quickly something can change when God is stirring. And he stayed there. For two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because what you said that we believe, but we heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. Okay. So, it's interesting. We, we, we get this idea in the Bible where scripture says, Jesus would say, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest, right? We have that song from the great writer, what's it, Horatio Spafford. He says, it is well with my soul. You know what happened before he wrote that song? Moved over from one continent to another, said to his family, I'll prepare the place. His family came. Oh, no, his family went ahead of him. Everyone died, his wife and all his children. What did he do? Put his hand above a problem, he said. It is well with my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll, it is well with my soul. Because there's a rest that comes when we meet, meet Jesus that cannot be explained in this world. It's, it's hard to explain it. Well, you could say that's a song. Is a song scripture. No, it's not scripture. He said, it is well with my soul. Uh, my soul is at rest. But then we see in Psalm 23, he leads me besides still waters. And so we, we get this idea that when Jesus gets hold of us, doesn't matter what happens to our circumstances, within us something shifts like into place, right? Uh, this morning, Brown, the great example, he said uh, Adam and Eve were made in the presence of God and for the presence of God. And after sin, every child that would be born in sin would have the longing to experience or to step into their God-created role, to know and be known by God. Because you are made in His image. Even sinners are made in His image. That's what God says. That's what the Scripture says. With your mouth you praise God, and you curse those who are made in the image of God. I think it's James. So we are still being made in the image of God. 
even though the image are broken, we desire to step into a place where we know him again. This woman went to, through five marriages looking for that place. We go into different dark avenues to find that moment where it clicks, where we find God. For Brown, he ended up in drugs. For me, I thought if I find the right girlfriend or marry the right woman, that would fill it, and it did not. And it was not because it was not the right girl, because the girl I went out with was my wife in high school. And it didn't work. It didn't feel right. We both met Jesus. We were apart for four years, came together, and it worked. See, the issue was not a person. <laughs> the issue was my spirit. I was longing for something that I wanted her to give. You know what happened in, in my life when I was matric? Janae's mom and dad separated. They got divorced. And every longing she had for this and what she needed from her parents, she wanted from me, and I couldn't get it, so I cracked. And I met Jesus. He said, I will give you rest. And everything changed in my life. It's amazing how God works. This is an incredible quote from a man known as Blaise Pascal. Who knows what he did? Great name in mathematics, created the calculator, and uh, Aubrey, you know his stuff. Great man. You know, there's a lot of Christian men that were the forerunners in science. This man, Christian scientist, look what he said. He said, all men seeks happiness. This is without exception. Everyone. That's what I was looking for. That's what Brown was looking for. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding. It is the same desire in both, attended with different views. We will... We will never take the least step but to this object. They will never take what should be there, sorry. This is the motive of every action of every man, even those who hang themselves. Even those who end their lives are looking for something to click after it, because it's not clicking here. For this woman, it was five marriages, five men. So I'm stating something here, and then we're going to work it back, that in your heart there is a God-shaped hole. We hear this from evangelists, and it is true. There's something in you that longs for God, and it will not stop until it finds God or finds death. You will not stop looking for God. It might take you on roads to just make money upon money upon money and you will look and you will look and maybe you'll discover him on your deathbed or not but you will not stop because you were created for your spirit to click in and Brown makes this joke he says luckily for him it was drugs because he quickly realized but this doesn't work sitting in a room and now he's sitting here and doing drugs but the problem is for some especially men it becomes making money and it takes 20, 30, 40 years until they realized, I'm still here. So while you are here tonight, know this and respond. 
I want to take us to another scripture before we're going to land three points. Now, the only other place in John where Jesus speaks about water is in John 7. And every commentator and every theologian connects the two pieces of John 4 with John 7. He says, if anyone thirsts, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a rhetorical question because who thirsts? Everyone. <laughs> okay, okay. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. If I knew that, it would have saved me a lot of pain and heartbreak. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow. Oh, wow. Rivers of living water. He tells the woman, I'm going to give you something. She'll never thirst. But he also says, when you come to me, something will flow out of you. Now, this is interesting. Now, this he said about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Okay. So, let's hit this. Jesus in Secunda, part three. Understanding the living waters that Jesus speaks about. I'm going to give you three things on it. And each of these points apply to you directly and those around you. And I want you to, to take tonight as a knife and allow the word to work with you. Don't close your heart, okay? Open it. Allow God to touch you, okay? Because he wants you to click in, right? Okay, so we're just taking this little piece and reading it again. She says to him, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks. Just say with me, everyone who drinks of this water will never be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, let's land the first idea here. Jesus alone can give you living water. That's the first point for tonight. Understanding this living water, Jesus alone can give you living water. Now, I put you, can we go to slide 22, if that's possible? There we go. I put you in capitals because there's an emphasis there. And, and, and here's the thing, God is in community. We should come together, worship, we should do stuff together. When we are together, we can shift mountains. But the issue here is something we should be aware of is that you can walk with the crowds but not really know what the journey is about, okay? And it's true for me and it's true for you. I mean, I go to intercession every Monday night. I'm in this town. It's many nights. I've been there more than, uh, well, how many probably about 300 evenings in the last six years. It can become to me, oh, everyone's going to intercession, and I'm going. And I think what Jesus is telling this woman, everyone who drinks, everyone who drinks, is that he's a giver, 100%, but you have to drink for yourself. Okay? You have to engage him for Heinrich, for yourself, or for Vanessa for Mark. Even though he wants us together, you have to know, as an individual, you have to reach out and taste it for yourself. And so, the sin of the church, if we don't look out, is that we change people behavior modification. So, have you heard this when you were young? 
the pastor of the Dominic tells the people at church, you must believe that the pub will drink, and then see the people in the church drink by the pub. Okay? Now, he's not dealing with a heart issue, like why are you hungering after something else, but let, let not the people see we drink there so they drink at home. <laughs> okay? So that's behavior modification. As long as they don't see it, it's all right. Okay? So when someone is watching, the point is behavior modification teaches us to play our environment in a way that looks like good behavior. But what Jesus wants from us is to be changed on the inside, which changes us from the inside out. Can you see the big difference? He alone can give you this living water. Even church, we know where to sit, we know where to stand. We know someone's going to say, welcome, uh, Garmo or Carl, or someone's going to say, hey everyone, we're going to sing, you're going to stand. We know how to move with one another, and it's good. It's also called order and unity. But within that, drink for yourself. Drink for yourself. Maybe, I don't know, maybe there's churches around the world that just enjoys it when the people come. I'm not satisfied with that. I want you to drink for yourself and allow waters to come out of you. Are you with me? Take the old show and say, you must drink water. You must drink. Now there's something that happens when we connect with God and when we drink for ourselves, we truly become different. And scripture says it in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, behold, the old has passed away. So you know when you've changed. You know when you've tasted it. And, and, and it's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint, but something in you is different. And that's one thing you can maybe ask yourself tonight. Am I different? Can I say, you know, I'm, my thirst is quenched? That's very important. Just be, before we head into the last two points, check out this, this scripture. They went out of the town and were coming to him. So now the disciples come back. Now, in the beginning it says Jesus was tired and he sat down. He was wearied from his journey and he sends the disciples to buy food and all 12 go. Right. They come back with the food that he asked them to buy. Right. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him to eat because now they brought the food. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. All right? But just imagine this for a moment. Your friend says, listen, go to Burger King. I want a Whopper and this one wants this. Comes back and everyone says, listen, we've got food you don't know about. And there you are with a burger. I, for one, will be happy because I'll just eat it myself. But what happened here? Now, no one brought him food, but listen to what he says. They ask, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And then he says, oh, in verse 32, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And then the scripture goes on, it's not on there. He says, my food is to do the will of the Father of the one who sends me. Very interesting for us. 
there's an energy, there's something that shifted in the life of Jesus after he accomplished what God has told him to do, to speak to this woman, and revived him to such an extent that even his hunger was in a way ministered to by his spiritual obedience. That is very important. So just catch me on this. You come into church, you see someone revived. They, they're walking with a plate of food, they're setting up the food at the back. And maybe you see someone in front, they're just running, setting up the stage. Something went missing and there's someone running with energy and they've got a cable there. And you, and you think to yourself, you know what? One day when I have as much energy as Cassie, then I will also serve God in this way. Here's a problem. You get fed with energy once you obey. I'm talking more about energy like physically. Spiritual meaning flowing over follows obedience. It does not precede obedience. One day when I feel better, I'll walk into your calling. It will never happen. He was hungry. He accomplished what God has placed before him and he became full. I have food you do not know about. Sometimes, I, maybe sometimes you feel like this. Maybe it's time that you plug into what God has for you. That you can receive something in your spirit that's not natural. And so what is this? And we're pushing to the next two points. What is this that, that, that's bound to happen in us? Let's go on. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you have is not your husband. The one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Interesting. Jesus eats with the Pharisees and sinners. Oh, he eats with the sinners. And the Pharisees said, you know what? This guy eats with sinners. And then Jesus said, I've not come for the healthy. I've come for the sick. And he says it on many occasions. And right here, he's showing us something that will happen in our midst when we drink living waters. Okay? Number two. The living water in us flows to dry places or dry hearts like this very woman. Isn't it scary that sinners out there says, I cannot go to church because I've got too much sin. When Jesus says, I'm here for the sinners, it's just, it's all turned upside down. Those who drink of Jesus and experience that peace, the water runs to dry places like this woman, probably the greatest sinner in the town. A pastor tells a story, true story. He says a woman comes into the church and it looks like she's coming from a nightclub. Okay? Now, I haven't been to a nightclub lately. Maybe Aubrey will know. <laughs> I'm just joking. But apparently there's a lot of stuff hanging out that should be contained and restrained. And so the people comes to him and says, listen, what are you going to do about this woman? She looks like a prostitute. He says, nothing. 
And then he replies, in fact, I'm going to put up a sign, prostitutes welcome. There's a spiritual shift that needs to happen in us. Because the living water that wells up from us, it reaches out to where it is needed and where it is received. Now, if we follow this story and many other stories, never does Jesus celebrate a person's sin or leave them there, but he engages with them. He plugs in and walks with them. He sits with this woman. He says, I want to give you living water. You need it. You were the sixth man. I want to give you something for this first. So he plugs in with a heart to uplift her with his help. Same with a woman that the Pharisees wanted to stone. Same with a woman that washed his feet with tears, with oil probably bought from prostitution. And she joins him on his journey, becomes a disciple. What kind of church are we? What kind of church are we if people with great sin, dry hearts feel, I can't go to that church? Amen? This is what he reveals to the disciple Jesus. There's many things that happens here. It's a great story. Go and read it again and let the word just minister to your heart. Okay, so now you're here and, you, and you're like, man, there's something here. I experienced God. Maybe someone prays with you. What now? What's going to happen now? So the woman left the water jar. So Jesus sent the disciples for food. He steps into the will of a father and, and something happens. He says, I've got food you don't know about. I don't even need it. She comes for water. Can you see the pattern? And she leaves the jar. She says, I don't need this physical water. Something deeper has encountered my spirit. Come and see a man who told me all I ever did. So this woman, everyone knows she's had five marriages, another man, runs into town and just testifies. And it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. And many more believed because of his word, it says. Number three, take note. A broken person is sent to take living water to the town. So here's a question. Can a broken jar in God's kingdom carry living water? Yes. 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 He can use you to do incredible things. And you don't have to be level five Christian. I don't know what that is, but all right. Now, what the scripture is not saying, let's just bring truth in here. It's not saying when you meet Jesus today, you must be a pastor tomorrow. Being a pastor, being an elder, you, you, you have grown, okay? You've been in the community for many years. They've acknowledged your faith and you step into a purpose, 100% leadership. But every one of you, can go from this place and work for God in some or other way. This woman did not have the right doctrine. She was still worried about the mountain. She thought a moment ago Jacob was greater than Jesus. But one thing she could do was to go and call them to come. 
just two places I can think of. You can do that. You can invite anyone to small group, even if you don't have answers and there might be someone there. You can invite anyone to church and you can invite in anyone to someone's home in this place. Listen, my buddy's got questions. You can work for God. Because something in you is actively searching for you to step into your God-created purpose. To love Him, worship Him, and carry living waters for Him. Isn't that amazing? Now just to put this into perspective before we finish off, John 3, you can just remember John 3. John 3, in the beginning, is a conversation between Jesus and a man, and Jesus explains that you have to be born again. So that's a great scripture to remember. Say, say John 3, you can share it with a friend. Jesus says you must be born of a spirit. You must be born again. What is flesh is flesh, what is spirit is spirit. Explains that he wants our hearts. And what's the man's name he's speaking to? you? Nicodemus. It says, a ruler of the Pharisees high up in the hierarchy. Great man. Jesus speaks to him about the very same thing. And we know not one thing that Nicodemus did. He came in the night and he left. We're not sure. What we know is a woman, a broken vessel, people knows her sin. She is despised by people, a sinner, encounters Jesus and changes a whole town. How does that level the playing field? Here's the thing. God only wants a willing heart from you and he can start to use you from this moment. What kind of church do we want to be? I'll tell you one thing. A church where every member carries living water. Everyone. If it's only the people that preach then we have failed you. Let's close the doors and go on holiday. But we're here for a purpose. What is yours? Amen? Let's respond to this. Can we stand up tonight in this place and just respond, uh, respond to the word of God? You will keep on searching or you'll go to bed tonight. Maybe you're a conservative person and you're not out there too much, but there'll be a slight discontentment in your heart before you close your eyes at night. It's like a beep in the background. Just like something needs to be attended to. Why am I feeling this unrest? Some of us, we're more emotional. So we, we work in extremes. So one day we feel like we really, really want to kill ourselves. Like literally, okay? The other day we're on a high. But we're bouncing to and fro. But however you were made, whether it's that, that soft beep that's just not right or jumping between extremes. Let me tell you this. 
it will not stop until you drink for yourself the living waters he offers and it will stop. The beep will stop. But then something else is going to happen. There's going to be a stirring in you. And you're going to want to carry on like before, but you won't be able because now something in you will lead you to take water to dry places and share and care and hug and understand. And you'll be ready to tell people to give an account for why you are bubbly, why you are happy. Isn't that just such a great thing God is calling us to? You are called to change this world, but you have to be changed yourself first. Oh, Jesus, we just invite you into this place. Holy Spirit, you are here. Ministering to every heart, Lord, and as almost like representing the shofar office, if I could do that, I just release every heart, Lord. No one here belongs to shofar. No one here belongs to the Enigheker. No one here belongs to Kreiker. Shofar did not make anyone here. Craig did not make people here. And so I lift these people up before you, Lord. Before you alone. And I want you to picture him with a jar of water. You see, because he died in your place for your sin, you may take the gift of salvation from him, the living waters he speaks about. If you put your faith in him and repent of your sins, turn away from sins. So if you want to put yourself in this woman's shoes, what you have to do after meeting Jesus is give your life, your everything from this moment forward to turn your life in the direction of Jesus. Speak forgiveness to every person that has harmed you. Pray daily that God will strengthen you and grow you to be more like Him in a community. And it will never stop until He comes back. What an adventure. What a purpose.